It's Monday, February 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Chief Investment Officer here at the Motley Fool, Andy Cross. Happy Leap Year, Chris. Happy Leap Year. This, I think, this is the first episode we've done on Leap Year. Do you feel younger or older because of Leap Year? How's that work? I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel old in general. Yeah. <laughs> first thing <laughs> in the morning. Girls. Yep. First thing in the morning. Always feel a little bit old. Uh, one of my aunts is a leap year baby. So I'd like to uh, wish a happy 84th birthday to my aunt Sheila who uh, uh, is in no way listening to this. Although, you know, if you go strictly by the leap year calendar, she's 21 today. That's fantastic. So I'm glad she's young at heart. I love that. I love that. Does she celebrate her birthday on like March 1st? Like what what, what happened? How does that work? Typically she goes 28th. As, I, as I understand it from the few people I've encountered in my lifetime, you you bump it up a day. You go you go February 28th as Got opposed it. to March 1st. Okay. Warren Buffett, every year, issues his annual letter to shareholders, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Because when I woke up Saturday morning, I reached for my phone and looked at Twitter, which is typically the first thing I look at on my phone in the morning. And two things struck me. One was that Saturday morning, Warren Buffett's letter was out, and two, you were reading it. Because yes. I follow you on Twitter, and I thought, oh, uh, however late I got to sleep on Saturday, Andy was up before me, because, of course, your kids are younger than mine. So, you're up, you're reading Buffett's letter. And I want to get to the contents of the letter in yep. a second. But, uh, but I am curious, was there anything in particular that you were expecting in this letter? Do you, when the letter comes out, because I know you're like this, Joe Mager is like this, Matt Copenheffer, there are a lot of investors, I think, uh, who are interested in yep. what Warren Buffett has to say, I think are eager for when the letter comes out. But I'm just curious, before we get to the contents, anything that you were expecting or Anything that you were looking for in particular? Well, I will say uh, it, it's it's fascinating because as he gets older, you can really see the tone of the letter start to shift now, um, uh, in different ways that we can that we can talk about, which are really fun. Um, I, I think the the, the headline uh, of the big investments of his big four public holding companies: so Coca Cola, American Express, Wells Fargo, IBM. Those stocks have just really. Um, been uh, you know lukewarm performer, so I think investors are always eager to a read that commentary about those big positions and his other public holdings, and then also try to um, uh, determine some kind of um, guess of what Warren is talking about in the public markets. And it never happens. It never happens, and the tone of the letter has really shifted much more to the ownership of the businesses they have um, internally and own almost 100% of. Uh, and the conversation around those public holdings is really uh, very light. And um, the investments part of the, of the business, I think he just kind of uh, runs with, and they own uh, those substantial holdings, and he talks about never selling those. So, the conversation with those are always light, even though you kind of hope for some of that. So the the tone of the letter was really much more on the um, operating uh, businesses and then some other things as well too. So uh, that's what I was looking forward to. But really, it's just it's just kind of a ritual for me. I get up in the morning, it comes out around eight o'clock Eastern time, and I just get my coffee and start down, start reading, plowing through it, and taking some notes. Let's talk about the big four because I think of Coca Cola, Wells Fargo, American Express, IBM. It seems like the one that is getting the most attention. Is IBM, yeah. and I I don't know if that is because of the stock performance because as you said, 
you look at these four stocks, none of them is lighting the world on fire. But I'm wondering if, in addition to that with IBM, it's also the fact that this is a big tech company yeah. and famously Buffett avoids tech. And with the exception of IBM, I'm not really sure what other company he owns yeah. that would be categorized as yeah, tech. Yeah, and, and a lot of people make the argument that, that IBM is as much a consulting business as a tech business and all of that. And, I, and, and I'm not um, going to opine too much on, on IBM here. I, the, the, the conversation, Twitter landscape, CNBC, a lot of that was around why, like, this shows that Buffett has lost his touch. He shouldn't be buying technology companies. He's not that smarter in that space. Stick to hamburgers and, and French fries and Coca-Cola and Dairy Queen um, Diller bars. Um, has he lost his touch? I I certainly I don't think so. Has he? Have we seen what IBM has yet become? He talked about that this could still be a mistake. He thinks he's right, um, but investing, as he talks about, even in the letter, and we've talked about many times in the Motley Fool, is is. Um, to be right 100% on your stocks is it's very hard to do that even though Warren's track record is very impressive. So, you know, I still think the story is yet to be told in uh, with IBM um, he he clearly owns um, a lot of it and it's one of those those big holdings um, and he right now is is riding with it and we'll see how it shapes up. I will say those large I mean those large technology companies those um, historical that some people think are dinosaurs the IBMs, Microsoft, Oracle, Cisco's of the world you are starting to see faint signs of light that they are starting to rethink how they operate business. IBM might go through a bunch of um, structural changes, lay off some people. I mean, if the 3G Capital guys that have he partnered with Heinz were running IBM, it may be a much different story. Um, but we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, it does seem like, and I don't know the extent to which, and you, you may know, uh, you may know the answer to this. I don't know the extent to which he and Charlie Munger. Or let me back up. I don't know the extent to which Charlie Munger advises Buffett. Um, the extent to which uh, Buffett gives Munger a say in the investment. I'm sure he seeks his advice. I mean, he's he said they as talk much. every day. Yeah. But it does seem like, with respect to IBM, that I mean, I think the the quote from Munger was that. He, a turnaround may be coming with IBM, but he he doesn't see it right. yet. Yeah, and so it does. I think sort of adding fuel to the fire. It's not just that IBM is a tech company. It's that of the four, it seems like Munger, to the extent that he's telling Warren, Are "You sure you want to buy more shares?" It seems like he is doing that with IBM more that, than the others. Yeah, that that may be true, and and maybe they'll shed some light on there on at the at the annual meeting, which will be webcast for the first time, which is super exciting for investors to be able to watch that. I believe on Yahoo Finance, yeah, which will be a lot of fun. So if you've not um, assuming it's open to everybody, if you have not seen one of those, um, certainly uh, chime in there uh, in that first weekend of May. Um, we'll see if that if that how much how much they talk about that. I think uh, the IBM story. I mean, right now it seems that Warren is talking the book of they continue to buy back stock. They're trying to get their ship right. It, it has been a, a slower growth story um, and. Uh, Better days are ahead, but we have yet to see. Certainly, the landscape they are playing in is extremely competitive, and um, and it is shifting in ways that if they are not on board with that, they will get um, steamrolled. Even IBM will get steamrolled. And the old quote that you never buy, you know, you never lose any money buying IBM, mostly for equipment, not for the stock, but certainly over the last, um, you know, recently hasn't necessarily been the case. It is interesting about the fact that they are going to webcast. The annual meeting, and I, he he was on CNBC this morning. I think one of the things he said about the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting was that basically it just came down to demand. That like people are packed into that arena, 
and they couldn't fit anymore. And it's like, you know what? Let's just let's just give the people what they want. You know, it's so funny. It gets back to Chris. This whole point that that Buffett's out of touch with reality, and at eighty four years old, it's eighty. Eighty-five, eighty-five. So mid eighties, healthy uh, mid eighties. Um, uh, the, the same age as your aunt. Um, it, it, you look at what he's talked about in the past couple of years about about um, using things like Airbnb. Now going to webcasting. Like he's talking about global warming throughout the letter. Part of that is from the proxy fight, but he, you can see clearly he was he's been thinking about it with wind power and solar. So. Um, I don't think it's the case he's out of reality, out of touch with reality in these issues. I think he's actually very in tune with them. It's just that he's made this investment in IBM, which so far hasn't worked out. But I don't, I don't think that's a case that he's like, you know, um, he's now using a computer and he talked about how he played so much bridge online, which is great for his <laughs> mind, I'm sure. Um, uh, I don't think it's the case that he's out of touch with it. I think um, he's very much in touch with it and he's just trying to make decisions the best he can, as, as everyone is with this information. Shares of Berkshire Hathaway down about 8% over the last 12 months. That is essentially what the market is doing. So, yes, it's down, but relative to the market, it's basically even. Any uh, insight in the letter what Buffett thinks about his own company and what the shares are like these days? Yeah, so so that that was actually one thing that I was I, I had put out on Twitter at, at Andy C Cross um, on Twitter. I I I can't remember him being this early and bold in the letter in the in the space of the letter talking about that when um, the shares of Berkshire Hathaway get to around one hundred twenty percent of book value, he is a very happy buyer. He's talked about it before. I just can't remember really being that bold about it in the letter, and that he had talked about that in the confines of this conversation between now tracking Berkshire's performance against of its book value growth and its market value in the public market's growth versus the S&P 500. It used to always only be about book value, but now he's also including the association, the difference between book value, which is the tangible um, value of Berkshire Hathaway on on the balance sheet, just the assets minus the equities, essentially, on the tangible side, um, and the market value of the share price of the business. Um, and he's talking about how that has changed and how the businesses are evolving, and now he wants to compare against both. But he talked about that when it gets to that level. That's where he's a really eager buyer, and it has it has trickled over the last few months down to the you know 1.3 level, maybe even a little bit below that. I don't know where it is right now that we got. I know I got excited about. And then he talked a little bit about the valuation of some of the businesses that the the cash in the stock is at 100 on the A shares at 160 thousand. Dollars per share, so you add up all the cash and all the equities. It's that, and then the operating earnings of the operating businesses, which include the insurance now, is which is a new change, but includes the insurance, was at about twelve thousand per share. Well, if you take the twelve, just very roughly, take the twelve thousand per share and, and and say that's worth about ten times earnings. That's one hundred twenty thousand a share, and the equity at a you know one hundred sixty thousand a share. You roughly start to see that the 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 uh, Berkshire Hathaway price, which is about two hundred and some thousand per share, um, is probably a little bit uh, the A shares. The A shares, exactly. <laughs> probably a little bit undervalued. And I think it is, and that is just doesn't even include the value, the real value of the long term value of the float and the investments that they're making. And he talks ex- a lot about that in the annual report, the investments they're making. So, um, I think he was kind of hinting at a little bit about where the valuation is, uh, what he thinks about with Berkshire Hathaway. Um, clearly, if you read through the letter, you see near the end of the letter, he is very. <laughs> 
bullish. He got really on his um, uh, love America kind of the, the the benefits of productivity and the the investments that they that is in America. It almost sounded a little bit like a political speech, political writings for a little bit in a in a very hot, contentious political environment we have right now. But he talked a lot about about um, betting against America over the last you know thirty fifty years has been a big mistake, and so he remains continued bullish about the investments and and, and also very. Uh, I think honest about the um, challenges that Berkshire also faces. Yeah, it is striking when you consider his age that he writes in a manner that is, on the one hand, very forward-looking. You know, he does address, as you said, climate change. He addresses uh, that effect on business, that sort of thing. Yep. So, he, so he does. He is able to project thirty, fifty years into the future, while at the same time talking about. Material impacts, and you know, I don't know if he. I know he. This came up in his interview this morning on CNBC. I'm assuming he touched on it in the letter as well, looking at something like driverless cars, yeah. and saying, "Look, is is this something that's going to happen? Thirty, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty. Pick your time frame. Yes. When it comes to the insu- the business of insurance, we write policies one year at a time. That's a really important point, Chris. And he talks about that in the letter. He also talks about it from the from the super catastrophe, which are these really big reinsurance premiums he writes for big um, uh, his company writes and has written very successfully um, for these big you know um, natural disasters, uh, and the the proxy that they have. Um, Berkshire that's been filed is a is a conversation and a vote about the um about the effects of climate change and he talked about the fact that is yes things are changing he goes into a few stats and talks about history but the the essential point is what you just mentioned is that they price on a on a yearly basis these are not if you were pricing out ten years three you know ten twenty years that would be a totally different story they are writing these policies on a year by year basis they can be very flexible and most importantly and this is the real value for Berkshire Hathaway and the insurance operations which is the big driver of their overall business is that they have the financial fortitude that they are often the number one spot and the the buyer of the seller of last resort that people want to go to. So they have that in the book. So it's not like that if they if a client rolls off one year after one year, they're just going to go someplace else. Berkshire is a place they want to go. They want to write policies with Berkshire. So the fact that they can re- they can price those policies in a very flexible manner is really important to the value of Berkshire. And I don't know if he addressed this in the letter, but this is something we've talked about from time to time. Is over the last few years, Berkshire has made a priority of expanding the Berkshire brand. Whereas there are businesses that they have acquired, that they have been content to stick with their own brand. Geico, first and foremost, comes to mind. But some of these other companies that they've acquired and they have rebranded them Berkshire Hathaway. Um, I think there was a mortgage company. Berkshire Hathaway Homes. Yeah, Berkshire Hathaway Homes. Um, uh, I'm assuming that is that is working out well because I haven't seen anything recently about how uh, yeah we we made a mistake with this. It, It really does seem like whereas. At least a few eyebrows were raised at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a strategy that's worked for them. I think it's a it's a it's a um, case by case basis. For example, you look at his top five, soon to be top six, with the um, inclusion of the precision cast parts, the thirty two billion dollar um, uh, company that they just bought, which was a recommendation of ours and Stock Advisor, and done, did very well for us. Um, some they brand themselves and some they don't. I was thinking about this with the insurance operations because they have three primary insurance operations. Um, Geico, which you mentioned, 
as his own brand. And as we all know from the TV commercials, if you've seen them, um, <laughs> not you, I'm sure you have, Chris, but if, if listeners have seen them, um, has its own iconic, very um, uh, iconoclastic as well um, brand uh, in, in, in insurance. So they have a Geico, they have Berkshire Hathaway Reinsurance, and they have um, general general reinsurance. And general reinsurance and Berkshire Hathaway reinsurance are, are their own brands and their own entities. And they're run by two different people. So there are times when they collapse them together, I think, when it makes sense. And then, as you know, he they have you know dozens and dozens of independent, um, uh, 100% owned companies that just run themselves. And Buffett talks about the very um, decentralized and the power of that decentralized management structure for those managers to run that business, make the appropriate bolt-on acquisitions, as he talks a lot about how much they've spent in bolt-on acquisitions over the years and how much how effective that's been um, at the right price. Uh, and then they run them they run their own businesses and the, the, the checks come back to Warren to redeploy in smart ways. So he talks about that being very powerful. So I think it's a case-by-case basis on the brand side. Before we wrap up, I'm assuming you just went to the Berkshire Hathaway website to, to read this, yes? Or, or, yeah. or did yep. it get sent to you? No, I, I, I pulled it off the Berkshire Hathaway. Is it still just the incredibly yeah. rudimentary site that it's they built in 1998 19... or whatever it was? If it was even that. Uh, <laughs> yes, it, it basically looks like it's just a collection of links. You see this, that the, we used to see at the Locadia um, annual, uh, website as well. BerkshireHathaway.com, it's a series of links. One of the is the annual letter, and you click through that, and, um, and you can read the annual letter and then all the other filings um as well and uh it's in in a world of uh, you know y- y- on websites with um the, the very power of of um you know the tabula network and the Crudio networks and and uh ad serving capabilities and the the amount of ads that were served on websites to see something that's just a series of links is kind of refreshing at andy c cross if you want to follow him on twitter and you should, at Andy Seacross. Thanks for being here. Oh, I loved it. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.